Hello, and welcome to MGMA Small Talk, where we discuss issues facing practice administrators across the healthcare world. I'm Shannon Geis, staff writer and editor for MGMA, and today I'm speaking with Scott Graham, MGMA member and the chief executive officer of the Oral Facial Surgery Institute in St. Louis, Missouri. Scott recently became a fellow in the American College of Medical Practice Executives, and one of the papers he wrote for his fellowship is titled, The Practice Manager's Mid-Career Crisis, Is It You or Your Job? Scott is here with us today to talk about his reasons for writing the paper and what he's learned in the process. Welcome, Scott. Thank you. Great. So to start off, Scott, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your situation before you decided to write the, mid, the practice manager's mid-career crisis. I've been in uh, physician practice management for probably over 20 years and I have my master's degree and I passed my boards probably about 10, I want to say maybe 10 years ago I completed a CMPE and about oh, 15 years ago I got into oral and maxillofacial surgery which Coming from an orthopedic practice, this was kind of new to me. Mm -hmm. And I've been into uh, practice management and this oral surgery practice for about um, 15 years. And it started off with one physician and I grew it to four locations to seven providers. And it seemed that I grew uh, this practice to where it is today. And it just seemed like I was stagnant at this point now that you've kind of climbed the mountain. And also, there was part of me that, you know, I'm in my 50s and my daughter went off to college, so that was my struggle. I don't know if it was a midlife crisis or mid-career crisis, and that was the impetus of starting my paper. Mm -hmm. So in your paper, you cite a 2014 Gallup survey, which states that over half of Americans are not engaged or in their jobs, or and 17% are actively disengaged. What did this idea of not being engaged or being actively disengaged mean for you? Well, I wanted to know where I fit in within the industry standards because it, I don't know if it was just me. I wanted to kind of do some research. And in the beginning of my career, I was hungry, enthusiastic, and committed to my job. And I just wanted to kind of see how I compared to the rest of my colleagues or to the rest of the, uh, to the U.S., and those numbers, the statistics really surprised me because over half of the people out there in the U.S., they were not engaged, meaning that they uh, show up, they kill time, do the minimum amount of work, they're less uh, vigilant and more likely to miss work and change jobs. And the other to the extreme is being actively disengaged means that you're miserable at your job, but that wasn't where I was. So for me, I wasn't quite there at that uh, not engaged level because as a practice manager, you don't want to fall into this rut mm -hmm. or you'd find yourself out of a job. Right. And so, and so for you, you needed to find a way um, to, to be more engaged or to find more engagement in, in your job. Is that what you were looking for? Yeah. I just wanted kind of to see where the benchmarks were wanted to find out what the industry standards of um, what others felt because there really wasn't you know I wanted to research other practice managers within healthcare and I couldn't find any research on that so it was more um, doing a little bit of research reaching out to my colleagues to kind of find out where they are where they were in their life and so you also mentioned in your paper um, wanting to have a sense of challenge 
Um, what does that, what did that look like for you or what were you sort of envisioning when you're thinking of challenge? Well, I wanted, I kind of felt, I don't know if it was a plateau or complacent in my, in my uh, career. And I know I wanted to do something personally or professionally before falling into that fun funk. And, uh, I know that I wasn't the type of person to follow status quo in my life. And I felt if you don't learn, you don't grow. If you don't step for, far forward, you'll always be in the same place. So I was ready for a challenge in both my personal life and professional career. So I really didn't know if I should focus all my energy in my job or focus all my energy in my personal growth and development. And so what were some of, the, some of those things that you were considering um, as ways to sort of remedy the situation? Well, um, I thought about buying a wig, buying a red sports car, or getting a Harley Davidson motorcycle, but I was afraid of what my wife and my 19-year-old daughter would think. <laughs> uh -huh. So I knew that was out. Because <laughs> uh, all kidding aside, you know, I talked to my boss and kind of asked what the future of the practice and where I was in the uh, in the picture. And at that point, he basically explained to me that he kind of hit the the pinnacle of his career and he was just basically at the point of just riding the wave if you want to say just looking forward to retirement mm -hmm. and so I looked at uh, going on some several interviews to see what other opportunities are out there with uh, in different industries such as an orthopedic practice or uh, other specialties you know my other uh, thought was either pursue a, ma a second master's degree get my MBA I thought of, uh, about obtaining my fellowship, write articles, start my own company, and these are all these things that kind of go through your mind at the time because you don't really know what to do at that point, that if it was your career or if it's really me in my mind. Yeah, so, so one of the alternatives um, that you considered was to do nothing different. Um, what, what were the pros and cons of, of just kind of staying where you were or doing the same thing? Well, the pros were just to ride the wave, enjoy life, be content, take more vacations, you know, come and go, kind of put in the least amount of time. But that wasn't really fulfilling for me. That was just at that rut. And I knew I didn't want to fall into that category because, you know, being a practice administrator, you're always looked upon as the leader and the motivator. And the other physicians, they also see that. And you know, I didn't want to take the ch the uh, chance of being terminated. Mm -hmm. So I was, con you know, constantly being challenged by the other doctors. So I knew I had to do something professionally to keep up to the current technologies, to the uh, compliance issues, and the you know the new uh, payment structures coming down from Medicare. Mm -hmm. So I knew I had to keep be sharp at my job. And so, so what were some of the things that you decided to do to, to sort of change your situation? Well, what I did is after I spoke to my business owner, the, I knew that he didn't want to go forward in, my, in the job, in my current position. So then that was kind of my epiphany. At, I knew at that point in time in my life that I knew if there wasn't anything to do at work, then I might, well, might as well focus my energy into professional growth and development. So that was kind of the impetus of what led me down this path. And I wanted to go and um, focus 
like I said, to these uh, other dreams that I had, obtaining my fellowship was probably one of the, my biggest um, goal. Yeah, and how did you dis uh, go about doing um, that then? Well, what I decided to do is that was really my leverage. I needed leverage that intrinsic motivation, as they call it. That was the intrinsic motivation I needed the leverage to get to my fellowship because that was at the point that I knew that I wanted to be challenged. And that was what I decided to write my on. Three case studies at that point, those were the three biggest challenges I was faced with recently at my job. So that was what I decided to do to obtain my fellowship. I also got involved in two other organizations and I was also a co-author on a book chapter on oral surgery practice management. I just needed uh, to find ways to challenge myself and keep my mind sharp. Just to talk a little bit about um, fellowship in particular since that's one of the bigger ways that you were able to sort of challenge yourself. What were some of the things, um, what were some of the challenges of actually doing the fellowship and getting to that point? Well, that was probably, and I'm glad I did that because I, I, you hear this from everybody, I wish I would have done it 10 years ago because it really wasn't difficult at all. I think the biggest problem for everybody is to get the leverage on yourself because the process itself is not hard at all. In fact, if you find the topics that you're inspired or something that really motivate you, that's your impetus to start writing. And for me, it was the three case studies or the three, the, just the trials and tribulations I had at my job. So that was really what I enjoyed doing because then I kind of looked forward to after work and on the weekends, I know it sounds crazy, but to do some research, to start writing, to start learning. And that challenge just to, uh, you feel like a sense of, um, fulfillment that you had that I that I was lacking mm -hmm. so so by um, doing the fellowship you had something to look forward to even exactly right that was what I always looked forward to and it wasn't so much obtaining well the, the definitely the goal was to obtain the fellowship but what I enjoyed is the journey on the journey of writing the papers learning all over again looking up research talking to others and it kind of got me out of the, my funk because it really enlightened me at that time of, you know, to learn all over again. I enjoyed that, the, the learning process. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I find really interesting because I think that some people might be a little bit intimidated by the actual process of writing. So what, what did you do to help make that process easier or help keep yourself accountable for actually sitting down and writing? Because what I did is, you know, that's what also intimidates a lot of people because you think that you're going to have to write, you know, a 25-page paper, but if you just split it out, just kind of set up reasonable and achievable achievable goals, like maybe just do a little bit of research and you write maybe a paper, you know, a paragraph or may, may write a page or two each week, and that's really how I split it out, and that's to me how I got over it. I got over that the fear of the thinking, oh, oh, you know, I have to write a 25-page paper, and that was my mental block. But if I split it out and gave myself, you know, reasonable and achievable goals, that's what really helped me out, is you just take small steps, and you just say to yourself, you're just going to do this much of work each week, 
And then by the end of the month, you just look back and you say, wow, I really wrote that, you know, and then looking back, it wasn't difficult at all. I just wish I would have done it. I keep saying this 10 years ago. Uh, well, that's great. Um, so what do you feel like um, you learned from the process of, of this sort of mid-career crisis? You know, what, what have you come out of it with? Well, I learned to learn again. It was just felt like I still, I still got it. You know, it was like back in the, the 80s when I got my master's degree and I just felt, wow, I st you still have that spark. You know, I enjoyed the challenge every day, even though it was stressful. But that was something that, you know, you kind of needed to motivate yourself. And what I really enjoyed was the, uh, the fact of when you sit back and you can kind of look back and, and say that I've done that, I've been there. And to me, that's the whole fun of learning all over again. What was the biggest gain for you or what was the, the single biggest thing um, that you gained from this process? Well, what I gained was the fact that you get your, uh, your recognition and the praise and walking across that stage and them announcing your name and you, uh, you know, ha having your fellowship, the acronym behind your name, that to me was, you know, the Maslow's theory. It was that at that point that I thought, wow, I really I accomplished this and I really did it. And that's to me is just helps you motivate to the next level. If you if if you think you, you can obtain your fellowship, then what's next in life? So what's next for you now that you have obtained fellowship? How are you Very good. going and so forward? There was another organization I joined. It's called the American College of Healthcare Executives. And there's another fellowship that uh, you can obtain. It's the Fellow in American College of Healthcare Executives. So I'm pursuing that. And also, I've kind of sparked to start my own consulting firm. So in oral surgery, there are, there are very few consultants. So I've been um, researching and I think I'm going to eventually, hopefully break away and start my own consulting firm. Mm -hmm. So you feel like um, doing the fellowship and, and having this kind of moment where you reevaluate it has helped you find new opportunities? Oh, absolutely. It opens up a lot of doors. In fact, that to me is the most rewarding is because when you accomplish that, it sets sets you apart from the rest, meaning that you obtain this goal and it opens up career goals, meaning or career opportunities. I've had, in fact, probably since I obtained my fellowship, I've had a several recruiters contact me for other opportunities. And I never really realized that this prestigious fellowship would get me all those accolades. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that's really opened up a lot of doors. That's wonderful. So what advice or recommendations would you give to others um, in a similar position as you were um, for kind of figuring out what to do next? Well, for those that are certified and want to pursue their fellowship, I think the biggest challenge to everybody is to get leverage. And for me, I knew at my career that my job wasn't going to go anywhere, and then I had to do it myself. That was probably the first advice I would give everybody is to find leverage. And everybody has a different breaking point, meaning that they need to find if they ever hit rock bottom or what really that intrinsic motivation it would take to get, to get leverage on themselves. Mm -hmm. And once they get leverage on themselves, 
Then the second, it was just set reasonable and achievable goals, meaning that when are you going to write your paper, and then from there, you have it on a calendar. That's what I did. I had it on a calendar, and I had it taped up on my uh, wall at home, and every single day I would stare at that and knowing that by August I had to complete my paper. So then from there I broke it down into time frames and end dates. Each week I needed to complete so many pages. And once then that came to fruition, then I needed the coach at that point, kind of somebody to bounce things off. Um, some colleagues helped me out. Um, to, you know, to find a mentor or a coach because you can't always do it yourself if you find like you have a, a mind block or a roadblock and you want to bounce ideas off it's important to find somebody and then once you've accomplished all that then I think you're going to achieve your goals at that point I found that uh, the sense of accomplishment and the fulfilling is the most rewarding mm -hmm. and so then and so you've been able to continue that momentum into other things as well. Do you feel like? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then you feel rejuvenated. You feel like you, you've got the spark. You feel like you're alive again. You have a purpose. I know that sounds kind of corny to some people because, but wait until they hit their 50s and your kids leave in and then you're, you're kind of stagnant at your job. Something kind of sparked in my life, and that's really what I, uh, I needed. That's great. Well, thank you, Scott, for taking the time to talk with us today. To read Scott's paper and for more resources regarding educational and career opportunities, check out our episode page at mgma.org slash podcasts. Thanks for tuning in to MGMA Small Talk.